From the studios of Advancing Vibrant Communities in Modesto, California, this is Lighthouse Live Radio on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Welcome to Lighthouse Live, the radio voice of advancing vibrant communities. Our mission is to motivate believers to move out from the four walls of the church to personally serve the needs of their neighborhoods. Get ready for a no-holds-barred, honest look at the Christian lifestyle the way Christ commanded it to be. All that and more coming right up here on Lighthouse Live. And good evening to you wherever you may be around the world. Welcome to Lighthouse Live on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Pastor Mike Douglas with you along with our producer and co-host Elaine Harlan. And we're, we're praying our prayer intercessor gets here tonight. The inimitable Mr. Owl is on his way and had a little car trouble there. So we'll be, we'll be praying. His turn this week. Yeah. Seems to be a a lot of that going around right now. Well, friends, uh, thank you so much for uh, joining us and, and being part of, uh, the you know, over 200 people a day that uh, download the program and listen to it. Uh, so, so happy to be, uh, be a part of your family yes. as you join us in, in ministry. Uh, and as we begin today, hey, a big thanks to the good folks at the River Church in Oakdale. Had a wonderful time with them yesterday morning, uh, opening up James 1 and talking about uh, what it means to go through trials and tribulations and uh, persecution and persevere and all the uh, honing that God does through us. You know, we were talking about the fact that uh, if, if if ministry isn't messy, probably not a whole lot of stuff's going on. You know, I mean, God, when, when God moves in an incredible way, it, it gets messy because we, we are taking on the enemy. But uh, what, what wonderful, uh, wonderful blessing. So again, our thanks to the folks at, uh, at the river. And next week we'll be visiting with uh, uh, the new senior pastor, at uh, True Light Congregate, uh, True Light Community Church in uh, in Modesto, Carl Bryant, uh, newly installed as the senior pastor. We've known that brother for many many years, and it'll be just a, a great time uh, to fellowship with those folks and, and just uh, enjoy them next week. Before we go on today, let's check in with our friends from Voice of the Martyrs. What will people Hey, what's up? This is Michael Tate with news about some more real-life Jesus freaks. Around the world, thousands of believers are currently in prison simply for professing Christ. But here are a few who, after long periods of incarceration, were released. In Iran, Miriam Jalili, released after 83 days. In Laos, Van Thong, 375 days. In China, Gao Zhisheng, 210 days. In Pakistan, Gulshir Masih, 431 days. In Uzbekistan, Dmitry Shestikov, 1,461 days. In Eritrea, Evangelist Ambaye was released after 2,070 days. At the Voice of the Martyrs, we celebrate answered prayer. For more on these courageous men and women, go online to persecution.com. Amen, friends, and we thank you for your prayers uh, for the uh, persecuted church around the world. You know, we're so blessed here in America that we can gather and pray together and 
have our services, and we are rarely looking over our shoulders. Uh, but, uh, you know, around the world, why uh, our, our brothers and sisters are suffering. And I encourage you to keep them on in prayer and uh, visit persecution.com. We for, do uh, celebrate answered prayers, don't we? Yes, amen, we uh, do. amen to that. And uh, in just a few moments, we're going to be introducing you to uh, some longtime friends, Steve and Diane Warren, yes, and we're going to be catching up on yes. uh, when I first came to the Modesto area and uh, uh, exited out of government into full-time vocational ministry. Uh, Steve, I don't even remember, is it or not, but Steve uh, was one of the first people that I met, actually, and I uh, was just so amazed at, at the way he had a heart and compassion mm-hmm. uh, for uh, men who were uh, coming out of prison and, and uh, just his, his tremendous heart. You know, I think of, uh, I think of Isaiah saying, here I am. Yeah. You know, and and Steve and Diane, I think, are just personifications of that kind of spirit. Here I am, God. Send me. Send yes. me wherever you're going to go, yes. and, and uh, we'll tell the rest of that story in a couple minutes. Right now, let's check in with our friend Brad Dacus. It's time for The Legal Edge, a look at your rights as a Christian, a parent, and a citizen. And now, with a look at what's happening on the legal front, the president of the Pacific Justice Institute. Brad Dacus. Michael Newdow, America's self-appointed atheist activist, has lost again. You see, after a D.C. Circuit Court ruled that prayers and so help me God are admissible at presidential inaugurations, the U.S. Supreme Court denied an appeal. This is another defeat for Newdow in a series of lawsuits attacking many American religious traditions. Mr. Newdow and his litigious cohorts fail to realize that the First Amendment guarantees freedom of religious expression, both privately and publicly. Newdow now needs to respect religious belief in the same way we respect his right not to believe. I'm Brad Dacus. To find out more about The Legal Edge, call 916-857-6900 or log on at pacificjustice.org. Well, friends, before we get into uh, opportunities to serve that uh, Elaine has for us, I want to brag on uh, our volunteers for a little bit. Mm -hmm. This past week, there was a statewide disaster exercise, a full-scale exercise called Golden Guardian. And here in Stanislaus County, the uh, scenario was, uh, and and something we've been through before, was a major flood. And uh, in this particular scenario, it basically was taking out Oak Valley Hospital. And uh, so our, our volunteers volunteered to be part of that. Some of them played victims and were transported uh, around the block by ambulances, <laughs> you know, and uh, it was fun for, for that distance. Uh, some were, were volunteering in the emergency uh, volunteer center. And uh, our, our producer and, and co-host, Elaine, uh, you had a major role in uh, in the planning for that and the administra- administration of it. Thank everyone so much for your participation. The goal of that, by the way, is not to do it perfectly. The goal of the exercise is to show where the fissures are, where the cracks are, where the problems are in the emergency response plan. That's right. And that's the purpose of it so that the county officials and the state officials then can say, okay, these are the things that we need to do to prepare for when the real thing comes. So uh, thank you all again, Elaine. Great, great job. And uh, you you were there at uh, the United Way in the emergency uh, in the uh, volunteer center and uh, 
that was rocking and rolling when I got there. It, it really was. And, and again, uh, Pastor Mike, it was just a, a, a privilege and a, a pleasure to be a team. It's teamwork, you mm. know, we, we say here at ABC, and it truly is. And uh, it was just a, a thrill to partner with uh, all of the different agencies and resources. And, you know, one person cannot do it, but together we yeah, can. And it was just a, a thrill to do that. And mm. it's about relationships and just uh, fortifying those uh, relationships and we uh, enjoy doing that. And thanks again to all who participated in that and made it uh, a success. Well, let's take a quick look at the Volunteer Center of the United Way, and we can't wait to get to our guest, and you are in for uh, a real treat tonight, dear friends, and thank you for being here with us. The American Red Cross of Stanislaus Chapter is having their fifth annual Heroes Breakfast Heroes Among Us, Ordinary People, Extraordinary Compassion. We like that, don't we? It's going to be held June 1st at 7.30 a.m. at the Doubletree uh, Hotel in Modesto. And the event honors local citizens who have made a difference in our community as they are recognized in 12 categories, including Good Samaritan, Adult, Senior, Youth, Law enforcement, professional rescue, medical, military, workplace, education, animal, (laughs) spirit of the Red Cross, and Stanislaus Hero of the Year. Now, volunteers are needed to help out with setup, greet attendees, and clean up between 6 and 10 a.m. And so if you're interested in that, we'll give you a phone number in just a few moments that you can call and inquire about. Community Hospice. Uh, providing support to individuals facing life-threatening illnesses, their families and friends, and those grieving with the loss of a loved one. Interested adults are asked to attend a volunteer training course that's scheduled on two Saturdays coming up June 4th and June 25th from 8 to 4.30 p.m., and pre-registration is required. Lunch is also provided a training, uh, training materials fee, $20 with scholarships available upon request. Uh, volunteers will learn the philosophy and concepts of hospice care, the impact of terminal illness on both the patient and the family, and an understanding of grief and loss and training uh, to become a family visitor. After completing the training, volunteers may choose from a variety of positions throughout the community hospice, including bereavement volunteers to uh, follow up with families through mailings or by phone, family visitors to provide support, relief, and companionship to adults and pediatric patients and caregivers, support group facilitators, massage therapists, Okay, that's good stuff. Music therapy and uh, Alexander Cohen Hospice House, uh, a 16-patient home-like environment. This is a a tremendous facility. We've visited this facility on several occasions, and they just do a a fabulous job there. And uh, those needing a higher level of care in Houston. After an additional two-and-a-half-hour training, Hospice House volunteers uh, work directly with patients and families and uh, just a a, a tremendous uh, support and service that they give there. Volunteers are always needed to provide clerical support. That might be your cup of tea. And outreach to the community booths or speakers bureau uh, and to assist the Hope Chest thrift stores. There's one in Ceres, Modesto, Oakdale, and Manteca. The community hospice uh, provides medical, emotional, and spiritual support 
to individuals coping with life-threatening illnesses through the integration of palliative care uh, into their life process. So we greatly um, encourage you to get involved with community hospice. And they, they do such a wonderful job. Thank you, don't I think uh, bo- both of our families yes. have, have had the benefit of it. By the way, it just bring, brings to mind, you know, those, those end-of-life mm-hmm. seasons. I did a, a funeral on, on Friday. Uh, for a, a young woman, uh, only 59 years old, uh, died very prematurely, but had uh, had some issues. Anyway, talking to her father, and two days before she left this planet, he had the privilege of leading her to the Lord. Wow. Isn't that cool? Oh, that's can you imagine yes. that? Yes. What what you know? God just works in, in tremendous ways, and uh, so anyway, our, our thanks to the and. and our good friend Charlie Crane, yes. one of the uh, uh, chaplains there with yes. uh, hospice. Great Absolutely. people doing a great job. You bet. And the Doctors Medical uh, Center Foundation also doing a great job. And uh, you can participate in recreation and social activities with Miller's Place clients. We just uh, toured that facility once again recently. Miller's Place is an adult daycare resource uh, center providing specialized programs in a safe environment for adults with health or mobility restrictions, including Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, uh, stroke-related uh, dementia, uh, cerebral palsy, mental health issues, etc. cetera. Uh, volunteers ages 18 years and older, helping clients with activities, crafts, crocheting games, all sorts of recreational, uh, taking walks, one-on-one visits, uh, doing mini manicures, all kinds of things that they enjoy doing, or providing musical entertainment, uh, that's uh, always a, a good thing. While Min, in, mini manicures, is yes, that what you said? Yes, mini, you know, that's just, uh, I don't, mini what, what manicures, is, maybe pedicures. A, uh, a mini manicures. You know, little that's manicures is probably not a full-blown, you know, full nail, you know, like the fake nails and stuff like that. They probably yeah, I, I, do I don't, I don't, no, don't do the fake. Just, yeah, yeah. My, my real ones are bad enough. I didn't uh, write no. this, so the mini manicures. I could probably mini call manicures. and ask Barbara okay. Borba what that means, manicures. but she would probably. Very alliterative. Mini manicures. She would probably be happy to. I'm sure. Were you trying to get through this? I will carry on. But anyway, flexible shifts are available for this. And uh, if you're interested, we will give you that number. Barbara Borba can be reached at 209-524-1307, extension 113. Again, 209-524-1307, extension 113. Shoot her an email. She likes that, too. Borba at uastan.com. Dot org. They do let me manicure my dog's toenails, though. Well, just, that's a good thing. And the goats, I'm very good at that. I don't know I don't if do you the do goats. that. You know, Freddie and Patrick They take offense at that, that kind of they? thing. Yeah, they but might the, take offense down. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and yeah, or attack me, those those guys. They've been known to do that, that's too. Right. We're glad Mr. Al made it. Mini manicures. I'm going to have to research that mini manicure. <laughs> this thing. Go ahead. We have a lady who contacted ABC uh, in need of yard work and some minor home repairs. And uh, she's single and disabled here in Modesto. And so if this happens to be an area that you are interested in serving and blessing this uh, person, then you can contact us here, and we will make that connection for you, and you can bless her. You can reach us at 209-544-9571. Again, 209-544-9571. We do definitely have some furniture needs in this community, twin beds, a queen and a full size uh, are needed. We have a family in need also of a sofa. They have nothing to sit on. So if you have some furniture um, 
in your home that you would like to donate, you no longer need, and we ask that it be in clean, good condition. We don't want to give somebody anything less than that. Then, uh, uh, you know, the standard is to give something in the same condition that you would like to receive it in. Amen? Uh, give us a call. And that number again, dear friends, is 209 544 Well, we feel extremely blessed tonight as we introduce this week's guest. We were very fortunate to uh, calendar a piece of time mm. with mm. them before they march forward with God's next assignment for them. Thank you for uh, stopping by and sharing with us along your way. Steve and Diane Warren, uh, you have... Uh, you have traveled some exciting roads, and uh, I don't know where the we, next road We were just going. talking about one of those exciting roads that you traveled without an axle, I think, the, or with, with a broken one or something. Well, we were leaving with the family for Costa Rica in 1995, but I'd like to go back up to, uh, you mentioned the voice of martyrs, yes. Yes. and not everybody's gone to prison for being a witness for Christ, mm-hmm. but there's a tremendous witness that takes place in the prisons, and in the 60s, I went to prison. I was sentenced to Leavenworth when I was 19. I got in trouble two other times. But every time I'd been locked up, I would find a Bible and I would look for John 3.16. Mm-hmm. And I would read it over a few times. And then eventually I said, Lord Jesus, if you can change my life, I'm here. I'm available. Now, my wife didn't go to prison, but her experience was similar in that she got mixed up in the 60s as a hippie. And uh, maybe you'd like to comment about that. Well, I certainly, um, I, I think I could have qualified for being very confused uh, and for um, really not having any direction in my life. And I got to the place where I really considered taking my life mm-hmm. because I had no purpose in life. I, I don't know if any of you out there could relate to this, but I looked at my life and thought I could see where I would be five years, 10 years, 20 years down the road. And I thought, if this is all there is to life, I don't want to live it. Mm-hmm. And so I was in that condition when God got a hold of me and, and uh, Jesus gave me that purpose. The 60s was a confusing time, oh, was Very it? confusing. Yeah. Now, many of us. how did God bring you two together? Yeah. His, his... Well, there was a ministry that had uh, an outreach in the Modesto area. It was called Church in the Park. Yes. And uh, it was in the early 70s, and they would do witnessing on the streets. They would go into the jail, the, the prisons, the youth authority. And uh, we were both involved somewhat at Bible studies. And uh, I remember meeting Diane on the streets. And uh, that's sort of how things started. She had real long hair, so I was attracted to that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we had what you would say uh, a long court. It wasn't a long courtship, but we knew each other seven years. And actually, I didn't even know that Steve knew I existed. I fell in love with him four years before he even noticed me. Wow. And in those four years, I went to Bolivia as a missionary, a single missionary. And uh, when I came back, that was when we got together. All right. And during that time she was in Bolivia, that's when I went to Multnomah School of the Bible. I'd gotten out of the road camp and uh, every weekend there would be groups of people come in and they said you had to be this kind of Christian or you had to have this experience or uh, I wasn't sure what brand I wanted to be, so when I got out, I got a phone book, and I looked under churches, and I found Prescott Bible Church, 
And uh, I began to go there, and a pastor, Ben Jennings, began to spend time with ben. me. Oh. Oh, yeah. So that was, uh, that was the beginning of a growing relationship. And that's, that's what I sort of like about ABC. You guys are into relationships and networking. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been in Africa now six years, and uh, the Kenyans, they have a great saying. They say that uh, you Mazungus have watches, we have time. Uh-huh. Now, a Mazungu is a white person. So they say, we have watches, but they have time. Mm. And what they're saying is they have time for relationships. Yes. Oh, I love that. And the other one they like to use, if you want to go fast, you go alone. If you want to go far, you go with others. Mm. And there again, it's about relationships. And, uh, you know, that's what happened with Diane and I. We got together. We began to work as a team. I remember the first time I invited her to go into the county jail with me, bring her guitar. And the uh, Border Patrol had a whole uh, busload of uh, illegal women that were up on the third floor. And once the matron knew that Diane spoke Spanish, they took her and the guitar and took her up into that wing. And so she spent the morning with them. And, of course, I made my rounds with the men. But uh, I knew we could minister together. And as a team, you can do life on a deeper level. And... uh, I'm sure that's what happens here with those involved with ABC. Uh, you know, and and I think that is so important, Steve. And our, uh, I, and you know, it's my my personal bias here, but I think so many times in our, we call it Americanized version of, of of doing church, we set the goals, we have the business plan, we have the numbers we want to hit, and and we miss the relationship. You know, we we get the gospel out there, which is always a good thing, you know, but but we miss developing, taking the time to develop the relationship with the people. And I don't know, as I watch, you know, Jesus unfolding through the, the gospels and, and such, I, I, it seems to me he took time to spend with people and get to know so them. so relational. Right? That's right. Yeah. After Steve and I were married, one of the things that we noticed with these guys coming out of prison is that they had to parole to the same area where they committed their crimes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it was just a revolving door for them. They would just um, get in with the same crowd and there was no influence in their life to, to stop that. And we felt like many of them, what they needed was they needed a surrogate family. They needed to belong and see Christ in action. And um, we we took a bold move, and I don't think we could have ever done it if it hadn't been the Lord's leading. But we decided, we told the Lord, we will open up our home to whoever you bring. And this was um, a real mm. faith adventure for us. Mm-hmm. We didn't realize that... You know, people that go into missions have to raise support. We just told the Lord if at the end of every month we're able to pay the rent and we can put food on our table and our children aren't suffering, then we're in. But it was almost more than we bargained for because at the end of the first year, we were both beyond our we were beyond our own strength and the lord had to show us like in second corinthians chapter one it says that he um that this happens that we might not trust in ourselves but they would we would trust in god who raises the dead and literally he did raise us up and allowed us for 12 years to do that and we never lacked it. We're, there's this one faith story after another. And those of us, those of you that know us in the community, um, it's a marvelous testimony of God's faithfulness. That started in 1983. Yeah. And then we um, 
decided to do something different, so we went down to uh, Costa Rica, and we were there 10 years working in the prisons. Mm -hmm. And there again, we opened our home, and we worked with men and uh, and women and their families. And when we were just there recently, uh, a month ago, and uh, one of the men that we had discipled and had lived with us for three years is now uh, leading the... Uh, the prison work there, and mm. we were encouraged by those that we met that are going on in the Lord. And then after 10 years there, we've been in Africa now, uh, six years, working with Agape Children's Ministry. Mm. I just want to back up a little bit, too. He mentioned Raul, and that is nothing short of a miracle, because Raul, they called him a dog, because when we met him, he was living under the bunk of somebody else in the prison, and he would not... He he just was a mean guy. Everybody was afraid of him. You know, they didn't even want to be around him. And actually, he had started out as a street child, basically, and been rejected so much that he rejected others so quickly. Mm-hmm. And it's just a miracle that he is actually going into the um, to the maximum security in the prison, and he can reach out to those same guys that you know he used to beat up. <laughs> Talk about seeing lives transformed! <gasps> wow, that yes. is. <laughs> Isn't it tremendous. interesting how God leverages the yucky stuff in our life to His oh, glory? Isn't it? I think totally. of you, Steve, and and how He took your. I mean. For me to go into a jail as an ex-cop and fire chief, I don't have a whole lot of credibility, but, but you've been but there, you done do. that, you and, can and, do and that. you can, and you carry a lot more credibility yes. and are able to establish those relationships. I was involved with follow-up prison ministry for a number of years, and we would complement the work going on in state prisons mm. uh, under the Department of Corrections. And I would just like to say that we need to be praying for the Department of Corrections. Amen. and. A month ago, I was up at Preston, up at Ione, which is one of the California Youth Authorities, uh, and I began going up there in 73, and they've now closed it, and I asked one of the staff, why are they closing all of the youth authority, and uh, what are they going to do with the inmates? And he said, well, half will go to the street, the other part will go back to County of Commitment. And uh, so there's going to be a need to pray for those going to the streets, and then today I saw an article that said that uh, California has to release 50,000, I believe it's 48 or 49,000 inmates from the uh, men's facilities. So we need to pray for California Amen. and the Department of Corrections. We are mentioning Isaiah earlier at the top of the show, and uh, I'm looking at Isaiah 58 here. And, mm. and I think when I think of, of you and Diane, uh, I think of this passage. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. Mm-hmm. And I just think that has Stephen Dan written all over it. Mm-hmm. And as you see how God works through you and, and has done such, a, such amazing things. Let's talk a little bit about the heart the heart of, of the guys coming out of prison, and, and you've been ministering in, in that uh, sector of God's world for so long. Steve, right now, what, what, are, what are the needs that you see for these guys as they're coming out? Well, I would say that the basic heart of an inmate is like the heart of any individual. The heart of man is deceitful, uh, desperately wicked, and um, so there needs to be a change of heart. And once there's a mm-hmm. change of heart, someone has to be willing to 
possibly meet them at the gate and walk through uh, a discipleship period to really spend time so they get into the Word of God. And I think it was your, I met uh, Richard Halverson in 1975. He was the chaplain for the Senate. And he had a saying that was, uh, I've never, I've never heard a man, I've never read of a man that I'd rather trust than the Bible. And so I believe men and women coming out of prison need to know that the Bible is absolutely trustworthy. And that's where you start. You get them feeding, enjoying the Word of God, memorizing, uh, and then get them sharing. And uh, But then someone has to help them also learn about paying the bills, getting a job, mm, yeah. taking mm-hmm. care of responsibility with their family. There, there's a different I, culture outside, isn't there, Diane, that, that, that they have to learn how to live in? Well, right? there totally is. I remember one particular guy that was staying with us, and he was a convicted um, kidnapper. And he was a hardened criminal, but he was in our home and did not know Christ. And we were going through a crisis at one time. Um, our van uh, engine had blown up, and we didn't have any vehicle to drive, and we had gone a whole month. And I, we were thinking, what are you doing, Lord? And one day I opened the mail, and he was watching me on the couch. I opened the mail, and it was a letter from Kenya, Africa, that had taken a month to get there. And I was so excited to hear from our friends. I didn't notice the check that fell out mm. of the um, the envelope. Wow. And this man came across the room, picked up the check, and the check was for the exact amount that we needed to repair our engine. Wow. And he said... I. You know, he even got tears in his eyes, and so did I when I realized. And he said, if God can take care of you, Mm. I guess he can take care of me. And that's what I think they need to see. They need to see the power of God. You know, I think Jesus, um, he said to the Sadducees, "You you neither know the scriptures nor the power of God. And we need to know both. We need to see God in action. And that's through the lives of, of believers and others. You know, David in Psalms 142, the heading says a prayer of David when he was in a cave. And many times when I read this, I think a jail cell is similar to a cave. Mm. But verse 7 says this, Bring my soul out of prison that I might praise thy name. Your righteousness shall surround me and you have dealt bountifully with me. And they need an environment and a community of people where people honor the Lord and want to praise the Lord and want to be with the Lord. And so uh, you've got to be committed to to doing those kind of things. And, of course, and we were. it costs were something, too, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It's a sacrifice. Sure. Yeah, yeah. My, yes. ver- my verse, because we raised our four children for 12 years in that environment, and my verse was that death is at work in you so that life in others is Second Corinthians um, 4. No. Second Corinthians 4.12. I didn't quote that quite right, but it's the death working in us so that we can give life to others. So. You know, you, ha- you have to have an extraordinary prayer life to do what, what you do. And, and I'm thinking of the decisions that you've made to leave Modesto and pack up that van with the defective axle yes. and head down to and drive down to Costa Rica and and then in Costa Rica you know you you get the the word from from the Lord that now it's time to go to Kenya 
Talk to us a little bit. Now, I'm always interested to hear, how do you hear God as a couple? What, 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 what do you experience? What do you do to hear God well and know, yeah, this is what he wants us to do? Well, <laughs> I'm the one that always struggles with that. My husband was, I think he gets an inner conviction, and I'll let him speak for mm. that. But sometimes I really need almost a kick in the pants. <laughs> a so gentle kick in the pants. Right? Yeah, gentle. Yes. He speaks to you in amazing ways, Diane. I've heard you say this. But I I struggled with the idea of going to Africa. I had never wanted to go yeah, to Africa. Yeah, yeah. And when he started talking about going, that he thought, that's where we're going to go. I overheard him say that to someone, and I thought, Africa? <laughs> it was difficult for me. And so I prayed for two years, but, you know, I didn't hear from the Lord in those two years because I didn't want to do it. It's really hard to hear from the Lord when you don't want to do something. Mm. And so when we got over there on a scouting trip, and um, we were, I had a list of all the reasons why we couldn't go. And... And, you know, the Lord checked off. It was not a written list, but the Lord, every day he checked off something off that list. And at the end of the week, I realized something was going on. And that's another way to hear God is is through circumstances, Mm -hmm. you know, because these subjects would come up daily. And I I mean, no one knew this, but the Lord. And then I was laying across the the bed and I was just talking to the Lord. And I said, Lord, it's a new language. And, and, you know, and, and it's just a new culture. And besides, we were getting really good in Spanish. And, and, you know, Lord, we're just too old to start something new. (laughs) And that's another way to hear God. Be honest with him. Mm, I was totally honest with him. And I don't think that offends God at all. Because just at that moment, my, my son was switching through the, you know, surfing through the channels of the TV. And they hardly ever stopped, but he stopped. And when he stopped, it was Dale Evans at 92 coming on the air singing, You're Never Too Old to Start Something New. Oh, <laughs> my word. So be prepared. God has a sense of humor. <laughs> he, does. he does. And that, that was, of course, that wasn't the only thing. But then God began another time. Like three weeks later, I was in my devotions, and I read about the Israelites refused to go into the promised land. Mm. And see, I hadn't told Steve any of those things because I was still resisting Mm. the voice Mm. of the Lord. And when I read that scripture, God speaks through scripture. That's another way. When I read that scripture, I knew that was God speaking. It was almost, I could almost hear him say, is that what you want, Diane? Do you Mm. want to go to the wilderness? And it was like, that's all it took. I just ran to Steve and said, I think we're supposed to go to Africa. (laughs) You know, the thing about prayer, I wish my prayer life was uh, better than it is. I do spend time, usually Diane and I are in different rooms, and we have our quiet time in the morning. We both get up around 5, and then we come together and pray together. We don't always spend a lot of time together. But uh, somebody took us the other night to, uh, Friday night, to the Gallo Centered for mm. the Elijah presentation. Yes, oh. yes. That was marvelous. I heard it was. So I've been the last couple of days reading in First Kings 17. And this, of course, is what I'd like to say. It says that, And Elijah was of the inhabitants of Gildad, and he said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, 
There shall not be dew or rain these years, but according to my word. Now, it says that uh, before whom I stand, and Elijah had a real sense of being in the presence of the Lord Mm -hmm. and knowing that his position was before the Lord. Even though he's before the king and telling the king it's not going to rain and there won't be any dew. Well, James says this about him. Uh, Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain and so on and so forth. But, you know, praying earnestly and repeatedly and regularly and bringing it before the Lord until you have assurance that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. We became friends with uh, the founder of Agape, and so praying about that for a couple years before we went was important. And now we've been there six years and working with street kids, and there's not a lot of uh, marijuana there, or uh, there is bang, that's what they call it, but the big thing that's taken the kids out is glue. Glue. They love to sniff glue. And so we've been there working with uh, Agape Children's Ministry, uh, doing evangelism on the street mm-hmm. and uh, with the goal of trying to help them get clean and then get back home into the rural area. Amen. All right. Well, friends, we are with missionaries of the world tonight. They truly are Steve and Diane Warren, and we're going to have more with them in just a moment. Our musical guests this week resonate with the message and the hearts of our studio guests. Here's Casting Crowns Till the Whole World Hears on Lighthouse Live.
till the whole world hears. Amen. That's Casting Crowns here on Lighthouse Live. Friends, we want to say a big thanks for tuning in tonight. We are with Steve and Diane Warren, missionaries to the world, and they certainly are. We just uh, pray for you guys everywhere where the soles of your feet may tread because they're treading everywhere. You're off to where next? Where? <laughs> Where? <laughs> we're going back to Kenya back on to the Kenya. 16th of June, and uh, we're really excited about it. Um, we've been working with Agape now about six years, right. and we have seen some wonderful things in the uh, lives of these boys. I, I had shared a little bit earlier that I was a very reluctant missionary, and um, I think God takes ordinary people like us and 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 delights to show himself strong and i think you're extraordinary people <laughs> Let, let's turn the the hands of time back before agape children's ministry and let's look at what existed there and uh, what god is doing through that ministry kind of paint a picture for us what's happening there in the streets with these kids well i would say 18 19 years ago darla calhoun went and was in uh, kasumu kenya and noticed a lot of boys on the streets begging uh, fighting, uh, carrying on with glue bottles hooked to their eye teeth. And so she would buy milk and bread, and then she'd sit down with them and tell them Bible stories. And that's how Agape started. Mm-hmm. Then on one of her other visits, she got a fellow to translate for her because many of them in Kenya, there are 42 tribes and 42 languages. She would get one to uh, translate for her, a, a young man. And that was the beginning. They rented a house they took in, I think it was four or five boys, and now uh, Agape has a, a campus that houses 90 kids. Uh, there are 140 that go to day school. There's a farm where we treat, teach small engine mechanics, carpentry, and masonry, and 25 kids go to that. It's a two-year program there, and then they get certified by the uh, Kenyan government. And uh, so... We, for the last three and a half years, have been doing outreach and complementing what the nationals were doing on the streets. Can I interrupt? I, I think what you're getting at, Mike, is that five years ago, Agape, the way it existed, is was a home for boys when we would when they would uh, be identified on the street. If there was room enough in Agape, they would be taken into Agape. But once Agape was full, we had a hundred beds. There was no, no place for these kids to go. And so that is the way it was when we first came five years ago. And it was difficult to sit there and interact with the children, see the need, and not feel like you could do anything. Mm-hmm. And um, it was overwhelming. There's like 600 to 1,000 children on the street. And we're talking not mm-hmm. just teenagers. We're talking about, you know, from the ages eight or nine on up. And they're living in conditions. They might live in the same clothes for a whole year. My goodness. You know, yes. and not bathe. And, of course, scabies is rampant. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you're around them and the scabies get on you, too. But that's just part of it. But uh, in that condition, they needed to be rescued. There are a few other ministries also working with them. But even at that, that number was just amazing. <laughs> um and, and God really has given you the platform now to go beyond just the rescue, but into development, and, and we would call it discipling, right? Right. Agape's purpose uh, is to demonstrate God's love to children at risk by meeting their physical, emotional, educational, and, of course, above all else, spiritual needs. 
And our goal is to help the children mature into responsible, productive adults. So it's been very uh, exciting for us to see that curriculum needed to be developed. Uh, When they initially come, there needs to be a time with them before they can go into the school. And so a lot of those things are being worked out. Mm -hmm. Things are becoming more organized and routine. And uh, it's, it's, it's working into quite a, I'd say, a very successful ministry. Now, you mentioned a couple minutes ago the, the glue sniffing, yes. you know, these, these, uh, escaping the pain. And, right. and Elaine, as, as we're looking at this beautiful calendar. I know. Isn't have, this marvelous? Thank I, you so much. I this. see light yes. in those eyes. Look at that young man. Yeah. I yeah. see radiance. How old is this little boy on the front cover here? Um, he's probably about 12. Look at yeah, him. 12 or 13. Oh. Yeah, and all these pictures yeah. are, are boys that were on the street, and mm-hmm. most mm-hmm. of them sniffing glue, yeah. and uh, they're mm-hmm. there because maybe parents have died of AIDS. Right. Uh, they're chased to the streets maybe, and mm-hmm. some of them were illegal, or not illegal, but uh, illegitimate. Mm-hmm. And uh, others, when one parent dies, they go and there's another family started, they're kicked out because they don't want to. Uh, it's not that they don't want to. They don't have food. They don't have the means to, to raise mm-hmm. them. Right? To feed another mm-hmm. mouth. And so a, a child will be chased to the streets. And so it, the cycle just repeats, doesn't it? It does. Yes. And, you know, all of these children come from a family. Now, the family may be a broken family, but in Africa, the extended family is very, very important. Mm-hmm. And they belong to an, a community. The community considers them their child. It's more of a rural society still. And when Agape began to uh, really concentrate on that and decide these boys, if we can connect them back with their families and we can strengthen those families and we can work in that area and send them back home as ambassadors, Mm -hmm. then we will accomplish more than if we just keep them in our home and raise them to adulthood because somehow they seem to lose their survival skills in the home if they're there for a long period of time. And when they turn 18, they don't have the support system to really make it in the African society. So um, so we're into community development. Yay. In the last three years, there's probably been 250 boys taken off the street that have been placed back in the rural area. And uh, one of the exciting things was this year doing a camp in the rural area, and almost 90 children came. And some of the parents came because they wanted to know what it was that we'd been doing with their kids. We have a team of nationals that visits once a week or once a month. And some of the families have become Christians. Mm. And there are even some Bible studies now that have started in rural areas. Mm -hmm. And house churches also have... Uh, developed. So that's been pretty exciting. You know, we talk a lot about uh, in in urban missions or across the ocean missions, city transformation, community transformation. Mm-hmm. And this is really what it's about. Mm-hmm. And I, coming back, you know, you talk to the police chief and the sheriff here about the gang problem. They will tell you the solution isn't more cops. We're not going to get more cops. We're gonna get the solution the is family. the yes. family, the and it's the same everywhere, isn't it? It is. I'd like to tell you a story about one of the families. Mm. Uh, one of the boys, uh, I think it was about two years ago, we rescued him off the street, and he began 
to respond to Christ. He came to know Jesus and he got excited about those things. And we took him through kind of a rehab process. We have like almost a modified 12 step program that's, that's based on the children, uh, on a children's level and, you know, some character development, some other things. And he, he responded. But when we began to say, we want you to go home. He said, oh, no. He said, my parents separated, my mother left, my father started drinking, and we all ended up having to look for our own way, and my brother and I came to the street. Uh, there's nobody at home. Well, they took him home, and they found that the that it was true. The father was drinking, picked up another woman. But she, when, they, when the team, they always share Christ, she responded to the Lord. And she yeah. said, he can stay here. But he was very doubtful. He thought, oh, I don't know. And they said, we will come back every week faithfully. And they did. And so this mama, you know, she was, they would come back and have a Bible study. And she was learning and growing. And so was the boy. He was growing. Well, the neighbors started to notice something was different. And they started coming to that Bible study. And pretty soon the father, who had been kind of holding them all back, he started listening. And before they knew it, he began to drink less and less and listen more and more. And he came to Christ. Mm -hmm. And that family began to change, as well as the community. And that's one of the churches that was planted in that that community. And they came to the camp. And at the camp, the boy was crying. He said, the last one to come back home was my mother. Mm So his brothers and sisters had come, and then his mother. Well, friends, you're probably wondering, how do I find (laughs) out more about Agape Children's Ministries? Give you a website. It's www.agapechildren.org, A-G-A-P-E, children.org. Again, that's www.agapechildren.org. And the toll-free phone number here uh, is is the right one, right? Give that out. All right, it's 888. Five seven agape. That's triple eight five seven agape. Again, we're visiting with Stephen Diane Warren, uh, who are just uh, about ready to pack up I and know. Uh, head, head back to Kenya. Just going to say, we again, we just are so blessed that we could carve out just a little piece of time with you because isn't it next week, Diane, that you guys are are leaving for a time, and then in June you'll be uh, taking off That's and. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, you'll be gone for a while. At least extended. a couple years. Yeah, oh my mm-hmm. goodness, mm-hmm. yes. All right, so how can our people who are listening pray for you and, and support you and, and join you? If they can't join you physically, how can they participate in what God is doing through Agape Children's Ministries? Okay, well, you definitely can pray, and mm-hmm. that is something you can check our website out. You could... Um, Sign up for um, our newsletters. Uh, we're not the only missionaries. There's there's another local couple, uh, uh, Eric and Lisa Kilgar, with their eight children. They're a great resource. You could uh, get in touch with them. Blake and Esther Gibbs, who are right now in uh, in Africa on the on on the ground, and another couple from um, from North Carolina that are joining us shortly. But we have. You could sponsor a child. Um, the ones in the community, they're $30 a month to sponsor if you're interested in, in participating in that way. Uh, we also, in the Gapi Home, we have a new project called the Kitanga 
project, and it's where you you pray a child out of the bed. In other words, we have a rehab program that we take them through, and our goal is that they would become an ambassador of Christ for their family. So we don't want them to stay at Agape. We want them to grow and be able to... um, to live with their family and do well. And so we have that project where it's um, a group project, $200 to, to have a child in the bed and pray them out of the bed until mm. you can get another child in. So that's a, that's a project if you're looking for a project. Sounds terrific. Now, while you're here in the States, you may be reached. I see a phone number on here. Can we mm-hmm. give that number out? Yes. Is that okay? Oh, perfect. And that number is 209 622 3016. Again, 209 3016. You also have an email. Do you yes, like to do fine. emails? Mm-hmm. Okay, you want to give that up? It's Warren Inc., W A R N I N K, at gmail.com. That's Warren Inc. at gmail.com. All right. We good. would welcome any, any, anyone that would like to contact us. Okay. And Steve, do you have any encouragement for those who might be sitting on the sidelines tonight and uh, Well, I would say that Lamentations 2.19 is an encouragement that says, cry out and pray for those who uh, are in the streets. And there are all kinds of ministries. Uh, Mm -hmm. Compassion International is very strong. World Vision is doing a lot of ministry. But this is just one little place in the harvest field. And I would encourage any that's listening that you get involved someplace. And it might be AVC, it might be wherever you are that you're listening, you get involved in the local church, but serve. You know, I think that's one of the keys. And unfortunately, a lot of, a lot of folks kind of make church a spectator sport, and that's mm-hmm. not, not the way Christ Armed designed chair. it, I don't yeah. think, as I, as mm-hmm. I read the book. Uh, Steve, we've got about uh, two minutes left here. Uh, give, give us just a, a, an encouragement from you, from as you have heard from the heart of God, what inspires you to keep on going? What is it that stokes your spiritual fire? What is it that you can pass on to others and say, man, if, if you miss this, you're, you're missing what God has to do in your life. What, what is it that just ignites your fire every morning and keeps you going? Probably a quote by Amy Carmichael. She said that you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. Oh, my. And, uh, say that again. Well, I'm not sure I'm saying it right, but I think it was a, uh, because I don't have it in front of me, you can uh, give without loving, but you can't love without giving. No, I think that's right on. And then we give our lives. We're willing to lay down our lives for the benefit of others. There are Mm -hmm. many people in my life that laid down their life in spending time with me, encouraging me, challenging me to memorize, to be in the Bible, to uh, attend church regularly, to... Uh, consider giving to help. You can't meet the needs of all, but you can help with some. Mm-hmm. And so oh, yes. I would just, uh, I would say get plugged in with somebody else that you can pray together and read together, and uh, you'll do life on a much deeper level than just superficial. And again, it's that partnering that is so mm-hmm. important. God created us to function in community, mm-hmm. didn't it? Just right. well, Last word from you, Diane, encouragement. I- you said something about you must have great faith. And I just want you to know that we don't have great faith. What we have is a faithful God. Amen. And I, my favorite story in the Bible is the feeding of the 5,000 because it shows what faith is all about. You know what? All the disciples did was make the people sit down 
And they fed them what the Lord had given them. And I believe that 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 is faith in action. Steve and Diane Warren, we want to thank you, and you are sweethearts. We just love you, and God bless you. And we do hope to have you back here on Lighthouse Live with us. Dear friends at home and around the world, thank you for tuning in and sharing a piece of your day here with us. And until next time, may God continue to bless you as well. Thank you for joining us.